to the Data Rockstars Coffee Pod with me, Kelly Peters. And me, Regina Lally. We're back with episode 37 to talk about what's happening in the world of data and data protection. We're going to talk about EU and UK representatives and employee vaccine data collection by employers. Kelly, do you want to kick off with the employee vaccination data collection? Is it something that it's not really been hitting the news per se, but it's something that we're starting to see in stories and I've certainly seen some discussions about it happening across LinkedIn and I think it'd be interesting to know what kind of sparked your idea for this discussion. Absolutely so more so this morning more than anything but this week I have seen on LinkedIn a couple of people in my network been talking about whether or not employers can be collecting information on their employees as to whether or not they've been vaccinated and you know could they almost demand that their employees give them this information and that intrigued me because i was like oh that feels a little bit like dodgy mm-hmm. um, not, not because you couldn't collect it but i think it's about the rationale behind why you want that information and then what would be the repercussions if it was not to be done because some of the messages that have been going out in social media i think have been very wrong in that if employees don't give you this information you can fire um, them or go down the discipline route so have people been seeing whether or not that's something that they can explore doing yeah and and it interested me so i thought you know let me take a look at what the um, cipd have to say an employment lawyer in our network also gave some advice to say actually there's nothing in statute in the law that requires an employer to collect vaccination status so you couldn't ask for it and say the law requires us so from from a health and safety perspective there are certain things you have to collect from an employment law perspective you have to collect certain information this doesn't fall into into those categories and because it's health information you couldn't rely on any of the conditions that relate to employment uh, for collecting special categories of data so the reality is you are entirely dependent on voluntarily getting this information from your staff left you reattach consequences to that should that not happen so could you threaten to discipline a member of staff should that not occur and he was like you would find yourself in incredibly hot water if you said to your staff if you don't give me if you don't tell me whether or not you've been vaccinated I'm going to discipline you the argument was you would find yourself potentially going down the unfair dismissal route and further action being taken against you and then if you think about it from a data protection perspective and you think about it from a fairness and lawfulness perspective, is it fair of you to be asking the individual about that particular status? I think that's a really interesting question because I think people, not with bad intentions at all, I think, you know, with good intentions of trying to get back to a level of normality for their their own business and security may think that it's something that they can justify and sort of almost go headfirst into collecting the information without truly thinking through some of the implications and I think you know we always urge people to sort of stop and think and and make sure you've got that genuine justification for collecting any data that you do collect and I think that then links into that fairness and lawfulness element because you've you've got to be able to justify it with the purpose and that's got to not just be from your own perspective as an organization and your own set of beliefs and around the vaccination but also taking into account that you know within your workforce there's going to be varying attitudes and willingness to share that sort of information as well so it may have no bearing on whether or not that individual's had the vaccination it might be that they just don't actually want to share that information with you and I think it would be too easy 
to just go, we'll rely on legitimate interests. And I think I'd urge employers who are considering collecting, obviously, you know, as the main element and then looking for the backup for the Article 9, which mm-hmm. is a special category of data justification, making sure that you've genuinely considered your reason and purpose and that you document it. So I think we've seen a couple of articles that are saying that some of the HR systems have added in a vaccine track kind of module to the employment system and certainly one of the things that I've noticed with some of the organizations I've been working with recently is kind of they've when we've been doing data mapping sessions they'll say oh we don't collect this information but because it's in their HR system and the employees themselves are responsible for filling in the data they see a blank field and they fill it in so although the organization doesn't want to use or have any purpose for collecting things like ethnicity nationality which are again protected characteristics the individuals fill them in because the box is blank that kind of thing if the modules there for the organization are people going to go oh look we can vaccine status brilliant let's go ahead and do that and actually they haven't thought this is special category data so therefore it relates to someone's health you know we need to understand very clearly why we're collecting it probably need to do a data protection impact assessment to make sure that we are justified and have managed the risks in collecting that not even thought about how long they need to keep it for you know and those are the kind of steps people absolutely need to be thinking about otherwise i think as you said the risk is people go we've got the information they've not had the the vaccine and i want them to have it like you said then going and making further inappropriate decisions based on data that they haven't fully thought through why they're collecting or if it's justified yeah and i think the other thing that i thought was quite interesting is that there is depending on the sector that you're working in at the moment there you know in terms of if you're in the care industry you know you are delivering care to vulnerable adults so i I think you'll probably have a more justified reason for collecting or understanding the vaccination program that's going on for your staff so you can reassure patients that everybody in that environment is a safe environment for both the workers and the patients. I think it's a very different situation when you've got people working at home. So I think there has to be great care and consideration when thinking about this type of data collection. And you need to be mindful that it's not just data protection, we're talking about human rights and employment law and potentially health and safety. So it is a potential minefield. So really be clear about what you wanna do and why you wanna do it first. And the other thing that I read from the CIPD is that you may inadvertently get additional information. So there can be side effects, I think, through a women that are pregnant. So you may end up collecting more information, not just on vaccine status, but you may also get it disclosed that a member of your staff is pregnant and they may not yet be ready to disclose that information so i think you just need to be open and transparent and really thinking first before you just go down the route of oh we can collect that that's really great and then i think you mentioned something about ship potentially what you'd have to consider if you're being asked to share information yeah i had a little look on to the ica website they've got a coronavirus and data protection hub which kind of i think is looking it's since last year it's been trying to sort of help businesses understand where they can and and, and can't collect different types of information and sort of helping them think through this process really and one of the queries the only element they've got at the moment about vaccinations is if a a public health authority invite their them as an organization to share employee information to enable them to invite employees for vaccination programs the sort of question is can i share that information Mm -hmm. and they're very clear that you know you have to consider the the situation we're in we're in a global pandemic so but you they as employers have to still look at it and justify why it's being shared and because again potentially sensitive information if you're using for the article 9 the sensitive uh, sorry special categories of data 
you can they can either rely on the employment condition or the public health condition but both of those you know you absolutely need to maintain confidentiality so again it might be that in the coming months week the ICO might actually look at this scenario realize that employers are looking to try and have a better understanding of the vaccination status of their employers and actually provide some guidance around what people should be relying on but in the interim really try and you know go through your processes if you've got good data protection policies and processes in place now's the time to be enacting them you're looking to collect new data it's sensitive health data you've got a process in place you know you should you know you have to do a a data impact data protection impact assessment because it's high risk data Mm. you can go through those steps understand the risk and then appropriately mitigate them make sure you communicate with your employees why you're doing it how you're protecting it how long you're going to keep it for and what the implications are if they choose not to share that information with you and hopefully there shouldn't be any because you know if that's not lawful then you're going to end up as an employer in very difficult situations so now's the time more than ever to be following your data protection practices and not just going headstrong first into let's collect it and think later because that's going to end up probably causing you huge amounts of problems yeah no absolutely i think we probably need to move on to the other thing we want to talk about because we're uh, kind of running out of time already which is uh, quite exciting and also a little bit nerve-wracking so we you wanted to touch on the fact there's been a lot of talk about eu representation but maybe not everyone has picked up on the concept of a uk representative so do you want to talk us through some of that regina sure so following the UK's exit from the European Union fully in in January. Obviously, we need to sort of think about what the implications are. And we had good news. I think it was between Christmas and New Year that there was an extension around the, it was Christmas Eve, was it? <laughs> that seems so long ago. That there was an extension to the the time frame in which we can continue or Europe can continue to transfer personal data to the UK to allow for an adequacy agreement to be reached within the next six months. So that kind of, I think, took the pressure off from most organisations and kind of felt like, oh, don't really need to worry. And so I just really thought it'd be good to draw people's attention to the fact that part of the, the GDPR legislation, and I'm referring there both to the EU GDPR and now the UK GDPR, and they both mirror images of each other the uk gdpr essentially makes sure the data protection act continues to make sense because it refers heavily to the gdpr so now that's the uk gdpr both refer to the requirements to have an eu or uk representative within the country to act on behalf of organizations who are processing data of their citizens so let's say you're a uk company you're processing eu citizens data because you sell products and services to the eu or you're monitoring their behavior you need to have in place if you have no offices in the eu you need to have an eu representative now what that means is that you'd look at the markets the different countries in which you're operating and you'd need to select from those markets which country you want to place that or engage an eu representative now their role is to act on your behalf as an intermediary between you as an organisation processing citizens' data and the supervisory authority for that country and the rest of the EU. So when we were part of the EU, there's a one-stop shop approach between all the the supervisory authorities. So for all the organisations in the UK, that would be the ICO. And now you need as a UK company to determine which country you operate in, process data within that country, and then make sure you've got somebody that can link with that relevant supervisory authority But if you're in multiple countries, you can then choose the one that's most appropriate. You have to be processing that country's citizens' data, but you can then choose which country you place an EU representative in and then have that one-stop shop approach. So would actually then 
coordinate with you based on all of those other countries as well. So an example of that would be you're a UK company, you have a lot of Irish clients, you don't have an office in Southern Ireland, so you're going to, but you also do occasional work in France and Germany, but the main bulk of your European work is Ireland. You would choose the Irish Data Commissioner as your supervisory authority and you'd look for an EU representative can engage directly with the Irish Commissioner on your behalf on European GDPR matters. Yes, absolutely. And if you had, if you were purely in that one country, you would have to, to be there. So it, that's the first thing is to check whether or not you need one. The ICO has indicated in most cases you will need one. Obviously, then the flip side of that is that for companies outside of the UK who are processing UK citizens data, they'll need a UK representative. And that's somebody who can be based here and represent their organisation and liaise with the ICO on their behalf. This enables citizens in that country to have a point of contact if they want to make complaints and also then to engage if there are data breaches and so on. So you'd also need to be looking at your breach process to make sure that you can actually have that dual reporting, you know, based in either the UK or the EU, you'll need to have your own plus the opposite counterpart to be able to report through. If you're outside, you know, I know we've got international listeners, if you're outside of the EU and the UK, and you've had a EU representative before, if they're based in the UK, you'll need to search for one in the other countries that you engage with if you've got multiple countries that you process citizens data. And if they're in the EU now, and you haven't got a UK one, but you still process UK citizens data, you'll need to also have a UK. So you'll need a UK and an EU representative. We have got our infographic on our website, which is hopefully quite helpful to think about some of the other things you might need to sort of consider when you're thinking about processing data and how that's changed post-Brexit. But for me, this is a legal requirement now. So don't think that you don't have to worry about it till June. If you know that you are processing data of the other side, then then do, do sort of look at it and start exploring where you can identify and find those EU representatives. Um, there's some, again, some useful info on our website and on um, the ICA website. Wow. Well, that was packed full of lots of information for our listeners. So I hope you enjoyed it. Any questions, you can obviously contact us on the coffee at dbuk.com. And if you want us to cover a particular subject, also use that email address to contact us about subjects you'd like us to discuss. Thank you for a very informative and uh, interesting conversation this week with Gina. Thank you. No, it's really good. And we'll be back again uh, next week for another episode of the Data Rockstars Coffee Pod. So goodbye. Mm-hmm.